Yes, hello and welcome to the Business of Property podcast. I'm Stuart. I'm Simon. And we've been finding, buying and growing income from property for over 20 years and we talk every week about the reality of running our property businesses. And as always, we're going to ask for reviews, but we want to say a big thank you to Miss Fuller, who on Apple Podcasts left us a review. And she said, I really, really enjoy this podcast. I've always loved property and I'm preparing to buy my first investment. This podcast has been a great, both in the sense of humor, as well as reminding me and highlighting various aspects that I should take into consideration. Thank you so much, Simon Stewart. And I'm looking forward to learning more because of you both. Well, thank you, Miss Fuller. We are very grateful for that review. And if you dear listener, would like to join Miss Fuller or viewer and get to the top of our kudos pile, then please do leave us a rating at least on your podcast player of choice. If you've gotten any value out of this podcast whatsoever, we will ensure that we read out every rating and review that we receive. So please go and do that. Now, today's episode, Simon and I have been looking at a very live example of a property that uh, Simon has been investigating. It's a property that was bought uh, nine years ago. And Simon has given us an overview of that and it's been sold recently. And what we're going to do is we're going to look into the income, profit and ROI margin on that property and do a summary of the cash versus mortgage. But rather than me get into it, uh, Simon, Simon, if you give us a little bit more, a little bit more detail about it. What we'll do is we'll talk about that. Then we're going to go into the numbers and see what we think in terms of cash versus mortgage. Indeed. So uh, before before we start, just, just picking up on humour, I'm not I'm not sure this is all that funny, but but people can perhaps perhaps laugh at us a bit because we we are actually recording this in the same building, but in different rooms. And and I am in a room that is freezing cold. So so if you if anyone spots me shivering in the video, that that's why I'm just in a very cold room. So back to the property and the interesting things. We we are indeed talking about a, a property as as you said, Stuart. It was bought uh, about nine years ago in 2014, and this is a uh, a family home. It was bought as a buy to let investment, and it's in the, the southeast. And the, the landlord of this, this property has, has very kindly shared all of the, the numbers with me, you know, with, with us. So, so we've got them to, to look at and look through today. And it was a, a fairly typical buy-to-let purchase, I believe. There was a, a little bit of a, a light refurb needed when they, they first purchased it. And the sort of over the, the years that they owned it, they had some some sort of ongoing repair issues they had to make a couple of times during that, that time. They had some initial sort of issues with uh, sort of tenant stickiness. So as in that they had sort of multiple changes in, in one or two of the years and some issues around that. But more recently, they've been able to have a, a, a long-term tenant in there for the last few years. And then when that tenant left, it was at that point that they decided that it made sense for the, for their portfolio to actually sell this, this particular property. So we've got the whole lifespan of the buy-to-let investment to this property, right from the purchase point and the purchase price and purchase costs through all of that rental period, the rental income and the, the expenses involved in running that property as a, a rental business all the way through to then the sale point, the sale price and sale costs as well. And then obviously we're, we're going to look at the, all of those figures and the gains and 
what that means and and how potentially this landlord could have played things differently because in this particular real life scenario this property was actually purchased for cash there was no mortgage involved so they're the real figures that we've got that we're going to look through and then we're also going to look at that that mortgage scenario how could it have worked out if this property had been purchased with a with a mortgage in play okay so let's do it let's uh let's have a look at this actual example simon's going to pull up on the screen for those of you that are listening on podcast we'll put a link in the podcast show notes so you can bring that up and have a look at what we're talking about as mentioned before we're not going to go into the detail of each of the line by line details on cash versus mortgage but obviously we'll run through to get a quick uh, overview on each of those but what's really interesting and certainly what really interested me was the summary of cash v mortgage because i certainly have a lot of uh, pre predetermined views about what is going to look good and what is not going to look so good but I hope you're going to find this quite interesting. So, Simon, do you want to give us a quick overview of each of the uh, the versions of cash and mortgage? Indeed. So, first of all, we, we've got a number of tabs in this spreadsheet. Anyone who opens up the spreadsheet and from the, the link in the show notes, have a look through them. Dif different information there. But the, the two sort of key ones with the raw data are the first two. A cash-based summary, uh, sorry, a cash-based detail and a mortgage detail for, for across the, the nine years. Some of those details are obviously exactly the same. So the, the two key ones are the purchase price, which was 155,000, and the sale price, nine years later, of 250,000. So, so straight off, so the very basic maths, you can see over those nine years, this property gained about 100,000 pounds in value. Which, which I think is, is pretty good. Um, I mean, as a raw number, that, that sounds good. Uh, I did look up uh, the, the inflation over that period, and it was apparently 32% um, from 2014 to 2023. So, so we haven't attempted to adjust any of these figures for inflation. These are all nominal figures rather than real figures. But, but you, can, you can sort of factor that in if, if you wish. But that capital growth itself is 56%. So, okay, we, we don't need to get into that because we are supporters of property and, and why it's good. So, but it's just demonstrating that it, well, there's been good capital growth as well as the rental income. Indeed, indeed. So uh, we're not going to dig into each of these sort of individual uh, numbers over the time period that this property was owned. We're, we're going to focus more on the totals, but I am just going to give you a a tiny tour of the spreadsheet. So if you're going to look around the spreadsheet later on, you can you can understand what it's doing and what, what's going on. So at the top, as I mentioned, we've got the, the original purchase price and then the sale price and the expenses involved in each. And then lower down, we've got a table covering the, the rental business over the nine years the property was owned. And we've got the the, the rental income, so just, just the raw, raw rent. And you can see in the first year, it was quite low. It was a partial year. Um, the, these figures are taken from, from tax returns. So these are the end of the, the tax return years. So the first year, it was a partial year in, in that tax return year. So the rent's very low in that year. And there's also um, some expenses, sort of doing light refurbishment and getting, getting the property ready to, to rent initially. And 
various fees in terms of getting agents set up and, and that sort of thing. So, so you can see for each of the months then going forward, we've got the rent income, we've got the expenses split down into mortgage, which is obviously zero on the cash scenario or cash reality, repairs, insurance and professional fees, and then some totals for total expenses and the, the profit, which is, is very simply the rent income for that year and minus the expenses for that year. So we've got that across across the, the nine years. So it's uh, yeah, I'm I'm not gonna not gonna dig into the details of that at the moment. Um I think what we will do is dig into the totals in a moment. But I'm just gonna flick across to the, the mortgage version. Very similar, except in this one you can see there was a, a mortgage taken out. So we're assuming a 75% loan to value mortgage. So on the £155,000 purchase price, we've got £116,000 mortgage. So that means the, the landlord, the investor, would only have needed to put in a £38,750 deposit. So plus they've got purchase expenses and the, the refurb stuff, whatever else they put in initially. But that means that it would have been about a £40,000 investment rather than £160,000 investment and the results of using mortgage obviously then plays out in the rental business as well so when you scroll down and look at the the, the table of figures for rental business over the years you can see there's there's quite significant mortgage expenses every year so the, the assumptions we've made are based on five-year fixed rates that were available when the property was purchased and then available when that five years would have expired the property wasn't quite owned for 10 years, so there may have been early redemption charges and things on, on a five-year fixed-rate mortgage when it was sold and things like that, but we're, we're glossing over that. We're going to ignore those those, those bits and and just, just assume that it, it, it all worked out. But um, you, can, you can look at those, those figures. So, Stuart, where, where should we actually start looking into to real figures? Should we go through some of the, the totals involved? in these two two situations or should we start looking at, at some of the re returns or result from i think we go straight to the juicy bit because i think we've done a lot of descriptions and i think for most people listening uh, and i know as simon said there's a lot of detail there so you know please do have a look at the spreadsheets but i i being the sort of person i am I'll, we're going to go straight to the end game here for to start with and then we'll work our way back so Let's have a think about if you invented it, it. So what we know really happened in cash over that time period, just over £66,000 was generated in profit. Less tax, it was 39 and a bit. So over that term, not, not, not too shabby. It's around about 5,000, um, well, just under, you know, four, just over 4,000 a year, you know, profit after tax. So that's not bad. So 66000 total profit in cash. However, in mortgage, if you had the mortgage on the property, it's less than half of that. So you've got 28,830 made in profit. And as we know, um, you know, there's a, there's a bit of tax on that. It's less than 10,000. So, um, you know, so significant drop. Now, what we should say as well is that we've made some assumptions here, because although this is the past nine years, we haven't factored in the scaling or the sliding scale of the section 24, which I'm not going to get into because it's far too dull to get into 
on a 20 minute podcast. But we've made some assumptions that we're very happy with. And, and Simon's done a lot of the work as well of, of thinking around this. But so immediately it, from a cash perspective, as in what, what, what money have you been left with on the table? If you bought in cash, you'd be a lot better off financially. But in terms of the ROI numbers, Simon, we can just talk through that as well uh, uh, to go through that in terms of the summary slide. So just before I reveal the, the, the summary tab, which has some, some extra figures on it as well, uh, I'll just stay on this tab for the moment and focus a little bit on the, the ROI in the rental business. So not looking at other things like capital gains, which we haven't particularly mentioned yet, but really just looking at that monthly, yearly income that you get from, from running the rental business in these two situations. And in the cash one, we're looking at uh, an ROI across the period of about 42%. But the more interesting ROI and the way it's more normally looked at is per year. So we'd be looking at 4.6% or rounded to 4.7%. ROI. So this is return on investment. So this is looking at the investment being the total amount of cash that had to go into to buying the property. And in the cash scenario, obviously, that is all of the value of the property when it was first bought. And that obviously includes the, the purchase costs and things as well. But it's, it's 160 odd thousand in this for this particular property. But the Revenue from that is sixty six thousand because there's no no mortgage payments, so you've got a, a return on investment per year of about four point seven percent and there's also an after tax figure there as well, which is about two point eight percent then in the mortgage scenario now here the the cash the investment that went into buying the property would have been significantly smaller however the profit from running the business over the years, running the rental business is also much smaller because you're paying out a big chunk of money every month, every year to the mortgage company, mortgage provider in terms of interest for that loan. And, and that means that over, the, over the, the period, despite the fact you're paying out that extra money, it's more than countered by the lower amount of investment you had to put in in the first place. And your ROI actually goes up. So across the whole period, we're looking at about 70% return on investment. And that works out about 7.7% per year return on investment. However, when we factor in tax, you can see that in the cash scenario, we're getting a, an annual return of about 2.8%. But in the mortgage scenario, thanks to Section 24 and things, and this, this is not quite how it would have played out over this year, because over this particular scenario, because there's transition periods and things. But if you're investing now, this is what you'd be looking at. The return on investment after tax is only 2.6%. So, so it, it, there, there are sort of swings and roundabouts in the way you look at this. But let's now explore the summary tab which goes into a lot more detail about lots of other figures and thinking more about the total picture of the property, total picture of this investment. 
So, Stuart, do you want do you want to give a bit of a rundown of this one? Yeah, thanks, Simon. So, I mean, for me, this is this is really interesting because this is sh- this shows you that there are lies, damn lies, and statistics. Because obviously, what a lot of people are talking to you about, and certainly I will, is ROI and uh, you know net yields, and just at the highest level, mortgages looking really good, and hopefully, the summary really just puts that into uh, into view because we're saying we're saying that well actually the ROI of a mortgage is you know 27 percentage points higher the ROI per yield uh, ROI per year I should say is uh, three percentage points higher but as we've just been through and Simon's explained in cash terms in, in money in your pocket terms when we look at that and post-tax, you're a lot worse off. So while the percentage figures are looking good on the mortgage, monetary-wise, it's not looking so good. So if we just look at these examples, I'd instantly be thinking, well, if I had cash available, why wouldn't I be investing in cash? And before we try and answer that question for you, Simon, did you want to share any thoughts in terms of your thoughts on the overall summary? So just looking at the the summary figures here, obviously you can, if you look into spreadsheet, you can see where these numbers came from. But the the summary beyond the the sort of running of the property business, the the annual cash that you get back, the annual returns, when the property is sold, obviously there's also a capital gain. Hopefully, hopefully it hasn't gone down in value, and in this particular property, we are, are looking at quite a significant capital gain over that, that time. The, the, the sort of capital return on investment we're looking at in this spreadsheet is based on uh, the, sort of the kind of way you, you work it out for tax purposes. So you get to subtract all of your purchase and sale costs and things like that. And after that is your, your actual true capital gain. So. In the cash scenario, the capital return on investment, so return on the, the actual cash you put in when you purchase the property, works out at around 56%. So you've made 56% of the money you put into the deal back again in extra when you exit the deal, exit the property. However, in the mortgage world, because we put in so much less, and that mortgage has stayed the same value over the lifetime of this, this property, over the lifetime of this investment, but the actual property itself has grown in value. When we exit the situation and look at the, the gain we've made versus the amount of capital, the amount of cash we put into it in the, in the first place, that return works out at over 200%. So 56% versus 213% if you want the actual full number. But I mean, that's just an incredible difference between the cash version and the, the mortgage version. So there, it does change the amount of cash that you get each month, each year from running the business. But if you get it right and the property goes up in value, that there's a, a big upside to, to using a, a mortgage. And if you combine the two, so you return from cash and you return from mortgage, sorry, return from 
running the business and return from capital. Then in the cash scenario, you end up making a, a return per year of about 11% versus in the mortgage scenario, a return per year on investment of about 26%. Now, 11%, that's pretty similar to you might to what you might get in, in the stock market and maybe some other investments. But 26%, I think that's, that's a pretty unusual return rate and for, for an investment. Now, th there's another side to this, of course, because if you're buying in cash, you need 160,000. But if you're buying in a mortgage, you, in this scenario, you only needed, oops, I go back to the right tab, you only needed about 40,000. So, so Stuart, if you're only spending 40,000, that might mean you've got some spare money. What could you do with that? Yeah. So uh, just to kind of wrap this all up, what we did was we had a look at that in the scale sheet for those of you that have access to the sheet. And we implore you to have a look at that because I think it is really interesting. So just on a quick model up of uh, cash fee mortgage. And you can see, obviously, if you're buying a cash, you have no available cash because you've put it all into that property. However, if you bought with a mortgage, you had £116,250 burning a hole in your pocket because uh, the bank kindly gave you that money. Um, and so if we looked at the purchase costs of that property, and I appreciate we're, we're, we're simplifying some of this, but the purchase costs for that property for a mortgage were £45,500. So simply, we just took that 116k and how many times was 45 and a half going to that well it's 2.6 so we kind of just run the maths on that and of course you can't buy 0.6 of a property but if you this is based on averages and you look at the capital gain so the capital gain on that property from the 155 to 250 was 88,000 just over if you'd bought at least two and a bit more properties on that, you would have made a further £225,000 in capital gains. And that obviously doesn't include the, the rental income. So also, you've then got your rental income, which is still admittedly lower because of all of the reasons that we've just been through in detail. However, you've now got at least three income producing properties and you've now made over £300,000 versus just the £88,000. And I think what really sort of blew me away for this actual example is just looking at the real numbers, because it's very easy for the gurus and everyone else out there to talk about the power of leverage. But what does it actually look like? Now, the one thing we haven't done, because we really didn't want to completely bore the pants off everyone, is you know, run the capital gains tax calculation. And capital gains tax would just be taking the tax off of the amount at which the prop, all of those properties had increased in price. So you're not going to get the additional 300K. You're going to get less than that, maybe half of that. However, you're still going to get at least twice as much than you were with just one of those properties. Now, and again, we appreciate this is a specific example. It's a live example. So we're not saying all properties can do that. But this just really just shows you the power of leverage because you've been able to keep some powder dry versus having all of that cash tied up in one place for nine years. Now, 
And where I end up on this is that it really, for me, highlights the different types of investor. Uh, a lot of people would would welcome having £155,000 in cash to be able to buy that. Some people may get there, some people won't. So not everybody has that choice. But for me, it brings up that scenario because I think, okay, having looked at the numbers that Simon's been through, I'm actually probably a lot more um, interested in buying in cash. And if I could, I might think about it more. But then thinking about leverage and, and the stage I'm at as an investor, I still want to grow. So I would look at those ways. But of course, we'd then have to factor in all of the other costs that would go alongside borrowing that money. But for, for, for each of us as investors, you know, could we put that money to better use? So in this example, we've got £116,000 that is either in a property or is outside working for us. And, you know, that, I guess, is the property investor dilemma, should you be in a fortunate situation like that? Yeah, exactly. It, it, I mean, part of it comes down to, do you want the, the, the be slightly better revenue each month, as in more actual pounds in your pocket each month? Or do you want to be looking to the future and working on that growth and maximizing your, your future potential? And, and yeah, I, I think the using leverage is, is such a powerful multiplier for that. And I, I would just like to finish on, on sort of saying that, I'm sorry, but I, I, I don't think we're boring anybody. This is what property investment is all about. You, you, you need to look at the numbers. You need to understand the numbers. You need to have an idea of, of a spreadsheet like this and how your investment is going to, going to look in the future. So, so if this is boring to anyone, then, then I'm sorry, you're listening to the wrong podcast, because this is what it's all about, getting into the numbers. Well, if they've listened this far, Simon, I'm guessing they haven't gotten bored. I'm just talking about to the, the level of detail that we could that we could have gone into. But, you know, I, th I think we've I think we've geeked out enough. We've shared our geekiness. And for those of you that are listening, please, just a reminder, please do leave us a rating. It really does help the show. And more importantly than that, it makes us feel good. So if we're helping you, why don't you make us feel good, too? And. If you have any comments or any thoughts about anything we've shared, please do reach out to us on the usual channels. You can email us at show at thebusinessofproperty.com or on Twitter at bizofproperty. Other than that, we'll see you on the next episode.